So listen, uh, in 1972, Uruguayan Flight 571 took off and uh, carrying about 45 passengers, mostly a rugby team. Uh, as part of that crew, uh, 45 members, not just the rugby team, but their family members and some of their friends flying with them on that fateful flight, 571. As they started dropping down in altitude to get into landing position because of the atmosphere and the weather the pilot judged it too low and actually skimmed the top of the Andes mountain and that plane crashed on top of the Andes mountain in that plane crash 45 people were on um, about 25 percent of those people lost their lives in the crash over the next week about half of the survivors also lost their lives either because of injury or because of the cold climate and for the next two months, 16 survivors made it. And here's what's really outrageous and what's really crazy about this story is it's such an incredible altitude in the Andes Mountains because of the inclement weather and the climate. There was nothing to eat. There were no bugs, no roots, no animals. There was nothing to eat. In fact, in the desperation of their starvation, they were searching anywhere, anything they could find to eat. Um, the stories recorded that some of the people there decided to try to tear the leather seats apart, that maybe they could eat the leather somehow to sustain themselves until rescued. And realizing there were chemicals in the leather, they, they opted not. They actually tore the seats apart looking for maybe some kind of straw or hay stuffing inside it. Maybe they could eat that. Finally realizing there was absolutely nothing to eat, the stories recorded as saying that those 16 survivors, they made it two months until being rescued because they chose out of desperation to devour and to eat those people who had passed away. And you think about that, you think, what kind of desperation would it take to devour another human being? Imagine what it would take. Imagine what would drive you. Imagine what would put you and push you to the brink where you would consider eating another human being. Now, as I throw it out there, probably a lot of you in this room are thinking, there's, there's just no way. I could never, ever do anything like that. I mean, I just, I wouldn't do anything like that. In fact, history tells us that one of those survivors who made it through the weather, made it through the crash, she actually ended up perishing because she was one of the 17 who refused to participate in eating those people who had passed away. But think about you. What would it take? What would, you, it would, what would it take for you to be pushed to the place that you would consider devouring another human being? Again, most of us in this room would say no way, or if we would ever even consider it or allow the thought to enter our mind, it would absolutely have to be the harshest, most desperate of circumstances. In fact, this kind of situation is so rare of like a person eating another person. It's so rare. If you spend time researching it, I mean, there's only a handful of stories in modern history. Like it just doesn't happen. But you think about that and how repulsed we are, how that's something we would never do, like that's something we would never take part in, like only the most desperate of moments would we even can possibly consider it. But even though for us it seems so far-fetched, it seems so out of reach, even though for us, even in society and history, it seems so far out there, do you know the Apostle Paul tells us that all of us in this room are guilty of doing exactly that? In fact, check this out, what he says in the book of Galatians. This is kind of crazy. Read it with me. He says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Think about the picture that the apostle Paul paints right out of the gate. And 
Now, he's not talking about us with knife and fork eating another person. What he's talking about is the way we bite and devour one another with our words. He's saying that when you choose to slander somebody, when you choose to gossip behind their back, when you choose to backbite, it's almost like the same physical picture of eating somebody. He's saying that you're biting and you're devouring one another. What a crazy picture. I mean, it's almost like the apostle Paul wrote this, like to shock us into reality, like to make us realize and to think that, that when you backbite, when you stab someone in the back, when you gossip, like it's a really crazy, outrageous thing that we're doing. And it's, you know, no surprise that we live right now in a culture of gossip. In fact, we live in a society of slander. I mean, all you have to do is go through any checkout line and you'll find rows of magazines. There are plenty of television shows um, that their goal, not just television shows, but also uh, plenty of websites, that, like their goal is to absolutely slander the celebrities of our culture, just to take information and to dish dirt on them and to talk behind their back. But it's, it's not just like celebrities, but right, how many of us know that right now that we're in this political cycle, we're getting ready to elect the next president of the United States. I mean, we all know this is true, right? If anything is a gossip society right now, it's this political climate. Because it doesn't matter who you like and it doesn't matter who you're voting for. I just want you to know that, that your opinion has in some way been diluted and persuaded with gossip about the candidate you like. Isn't it right? Because, man, we live in this climate that everybody's backbiting, everybody's gossiping, everybody is biting and devouring one another. And the reality is, again, in this society of slander, it's not just like left up to the Hollywood moguls. Those who gossip just are not those who write articles or manage web pages. But if we're honest right here in this room, there's a lot of us that we participate in the gossip, that we celebrate and we tolerate the backbiting. And it's almost crazy how rampant it is, how, how prolific it is in our conversations that we are regularly engaging in gossip. And so for it to be so apparent and so real that Paul is saying, hey, I just want you to have a heads up. It's not just culture. It's not just society, but he's saying, hey, the church, people who say they love Jesus are biting and devouring one another. Isn't that crazy? You get a quick idea and you got to say, well, what's, what does God think about this? Well, just so we're clear out of the gate and like there's no confusion, I want you to know that gossip is out of bounds for God. And it's not just out of bounds for God. God wants it to be out of bounds for us. God wants gossip to be off limits in our conversations, like in the way we talk about one another, in the conversations we have in the cubicle, in the dialogue we get into in the workplace and on campus. God wants everywhere in every conversation that we have to be something that avoids gossip. In fact, gossip, I'd say it this way, just real clear, that gossip is sin. Everybody say that, gossip is sin. Now, think about this. When, when I say that, we think, well, it almost seems like for some of us, like there's this list of acceptable sin, isn't there? Like if I stood up here and I said this, if I stood up here and I said, listen, everybody, I just need to let you know that, that I have been regularly involved in adultery, in an adulterous affair against my wife. You all would lose your mind. 
There would be petitions started. There, like y'all be lined up to get me thrown out of this place. Is that right? If I stood up here and I said, hey, listen, I want everybody to know that I am a kleptomaniac, that I get all my clothes at a five-finger discount from Belk and Buckle, baby. Listen, you all would freak out. You'd be making phone calls. You'd be getting the elders and trustees on the line to get me thrown out of here. But if I stood up here and said, listen, I want you all to know that, that I struggle with gossip. Y'all be like, me too. Because it's crazy, it's crazy, watch, it's crazy that there are things in our context of our culture and our Christianity that we have labeled as a big deal, but then there are these things that we look at and we say, it's no big deal. That's no big deal. Gossip is no big deal. Last week we talked about lying. Lying is no big deal. But I want you to see what God thinks about this topic that, again, even though that we are in a society of slander and a culture of gossip. Here's what God says. Check this out in the book of Romans. Everybody, come on, read this with me. He says, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Watch this. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, come on, I can't hear you, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and keep rolling, watch this, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud. It's like, wait a minute, like all of the things that we say are a big deal. Like, I mean, man, if I, again, if I told you I was a murderer, I was an adulterer, I was, right, I was a God hater, you would lose your mind, but I'm a gossiper, it's no big deal. But God takes the context of gossip and says, it's like all the same. They're all out of bounds for the Christ follower. They're all off limits for God lovers. In fact, he kind of flips this on the backside in the book of Psalms. And he asks this rhetorical question like, who, who can really get close to God? Who, who can really pursue a relationship with God? And I want you to check this out. This is pretty amazing what he says here in the book of Psalm 15.1. He asks the question, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Like, who can get close to you? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Check out the answer, verse 2. Read it with me. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Verse 3. Those who refuse to or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Crazy. God's saying, listen, for everybody there that has made gossip acceptable, that has said that backbiting is no big deal, that has just determined in your heart that, hey, it's just part of culture. It's just the conversations we have. It's just the stuff that happens on social media. God says, hey, my perspective is that it's a very big deal. My perspective is something that needs to be avoided. My perspective is it's really going to keep you from being the people I've called you to be and keep you from getting close to me where I want you. And so, like, God's opinion is absolutely clear. But for a few minutes, I just want to talk about, like, practically. God's opinion should be enough, but I just want to talk practically why gossip's a big deal. Because it is everywhere. It's, right, some of you have had conversations in the last week why either you were the gossiper or you were the one being gossiped to, right? And so it's everywhere. So I just want to talk about why is it a big deal? Why is gossip such a big deal? First of all, let me give you a definition so we know what we're talking about when we say gossip. Here's a great definition. 
Gossip is any unnecessary words that intentionally hurt someone's reputation. So that means that, like, maybe you thought gossip was saying something that wasn't true about somebody. That's slander, which would still be in the context of gossip, but really specifically just spreading an untruth. That's slander. But anytime you say something and your goal in saying it is to make someone look bad, to bring somebody down, to ruin somebody's reputation, to put them in a bad light, when you say something and your goal is to hurt that person, then you have just gossiped. And the reason it's such a big deal, here's why, is because gossip is toxic. Everybody shout that. Gossip is toxic. Say it again. Gossip is toxic. It poisons the heart of the teller, the opinion of the listener, and the reputation of the subject. I'm just telling you that anywhere that you find gossip, you will find a poisonous environment. Like, it cannot be contained. Like, we should walk around in hazmat suits in our culture because gossip is toxic. Like, it will, and you guys know this, it'll, it'll pollute every environment it's a part of. It'll pollute the workplace. It'll pollute churches. In fact, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this. When I say that gossip is toxic, say that gossip is. Imagine, imagine if you like were at, and, and there's, this doesn't exist, but just use your imagination. Like if there was a, like a board with all the dials of sin in the world, and like you could just turn one dial, like, and you think it would affect culture the most, in a, what dial would you turn? I'm convinced that turning the gossip dial down would impact our culture in the greatest way. Think about churches that have split because of gossip. Think about workplaces. Some of you work in workplaces that you hate to go there, and it's, it's not the job, it's not the paycheck, but you hate to be there because of the drama in the workplace that comes because of gossip. It's school on our school campuses and universities. It's right. I mean, a lot of young people, it's not that they don't like to learn. It's not, you know, that they don't like an education, but the drama from gossip is everywhere. And I'm just convinced that if every one of us in this room was willing to turn the dial of gossip down, that we could change the culture that we live in because say it one more time, gossip is toxic. So it poisons the heart of the teller. Here's what Jesus said. Check this out in the gospel of Matthew. Listen to this. Chapter 12, verse 34. Read it with me. He says, for whatever's in your determines what you, uh, I love King James says it this way. And I think it just kind of has this great flow to it. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like whatever, whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. We've heard it said that, you know, you can't really know somebody's heart. Like only God has the ability to judge somebody's heart. Only God knows what's in somebody's heart. Isn't that true? Like you don't really know my heart and I don't really know your heart. But you know what Jesus is saying here? While you can't know somebody's heart for sure, you can get a clue of what's in their heart by listening to their... Whew. And then he goes on, he says this. This is where it gets legit. Check this out. Read it with me. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a, and an evil person produces from the treasury of an evil heart. So he's saying for everybody that has embraced the culture of gossip, for all of us that just go with the flow of slander, 
He's saying, I want you to know that really you are revealing that you have a poisoned heart because God's evaluation of gossip is that it's out of bounds, it's sin. And when we're our gossipers, when we are backbiting, when we're tearing each other down, when we're ruining one another's reputation, when we're in the corner saying, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Hey, let me dish the most recent dirt on this person. When you're on social media and you can't wait to throw out the 411 on something you just heard about somebody, Jesus is saying, hey, that's just evidence that you have a poison heart. Remember, it's a poisonous environment. It doesn't just stop with the teller, right? Poison, this gossip, it poisons, right? It poisons people's perspective and opinion, and it poisons the reputation of the people we're talking about. Here's another verse. Check this out. The book of Acts, it says this. This is referring to the apostle Paul, who was a phenomenal preacher. He established churches. He, he traveled from church to church to church, preaching the gospel, declaring who Jesus was. People were getting saved. But this is crazy. Watch this. It says the same thing happened in Iconium. Iconium was a city. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue, watch this, and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. But watch what happens. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and what? Poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. I'm just telling you, do you know one of the things that can stop a church from growing? One of the things that can keep God from moving at the level he wants to? One of the things that can poison what God is doing in this house is gossip. Because when you gossip, it just doesn't reveal that there's poison in your heart. What happens is it's a toxic environment where we are poisoning each other's opinion of one another and we are being poisoned ourselves. We're poisoning everybody. I'm just telling you that gossip, say it with me, is toxic. And so I just made a decision, and I just want to miss, ask you, would you all just be on board if, if we're a church? Would you all be 100% on board if, like, we're a church that gossip is off limits, that, that we're just not going to be one of those churches that gossips in the hallway, that gossips in the parking lot, that I won't gossip about you and you won't gossip about me? Anybody up for a gossip-free church? Come on, wave at me. So gossip is toxic. Again, God makes it clear his opinion and tells us how out of bounds it is. We see the work that it does in, in changing and polluting and poisoning the hearts of people who participate. We see how it influences other people's opinion, even to the point of limiting them from experiencing grace and salvation. And so I thought maybe for a few minutes, I would just talk about like, why do we do it? Like if I got all of you like one-on-one -on -one and I ask you this question, hey, do you think gossip's wrong? I think everybody would say, yeah, it's wrong. But how could something that feels so good be so wrong? Because anybody here, let's just be honest, anybody here like to dish a little bit of dirt? Like I, I really wrestle with this message because I'm like, God, God's showing me that I have been way too liberal with my words and I've said things that didn't need to be said. But it's so easy. I'm gonna give you five things real quick. You can write these in your bulletin. Five reasons that drive us to gossip. Five reasons I think are at the heart of us being people who dish the 411 and dish the dirt. Number, number one reason I believe is this, is that we're proud. Is that we're proud. Have you ever noticed that when somebody is dishing dirt on somebody else, they never brag on their accomplishments. They never brag on their success. They only talk about their struggle, right? Nobody ever gets someone in the corner and says, hey, did you hear someone just got a great raise and a promotion? 
No, man, we talk about the bad. We talk, we like to hear the negative stuff. We like to share the bad stuff. And here's the crazy thing is, and I just want you all to know this, the reason we are so captivated by the call to gossip is because we have forgotten that we are just as imperfect and broken as the people we're gossiping about. We are more focused on their struggle instead of ours. And I just want you all to know something, church. When you are more focused on talking about someone else's struggle rather than focusing on your own struggle, we'll never get to the place that God has for us. God's never called you to look out over somebody and to drag them down. God has called us to be people who build up. And we can't do it when we're proud. In fact, last week, you'll remember I told you that dealing with little white lies... Remember what Jesus said. Jesus, he said that it is the devil. And Jesus gives him this title that he is the father of lies. That when we lie, we are, in fact, reproducing and demonstrating the character of the devil. Something also to think about when I say that we're proud. Do you know one of the titles of the devil in Scripture? The Greek word is diabolos. It's used 35 times in the New Testament. And this word means slanderer. That's really who the devil is. He's a slanderer. And when we slander, when we gossip, when we backbite and devour, we are being just like the devil. Here's another reason I think that we gossip is we're purposeless. Everybody shout, I got a purpose. You got a purpose. That's why you're here on planet Earth is because I believe this that every single one of you, you have a reason to be alive. There's reason, there's breath in your lungs. You got a purpose to live. You got a destiny to fulfill. And God makes it clear in his word that every Christ follower, every God believer, every person filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we are to be a light in the dark place. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be the difference makers and the changers of culture. And we have a purpose. If you think you're just in school to get an education, you're there for a purpose that's greater than that. You're not just at the university to get a degree. You got a purpose. You're not just on the job to get a paycheck. God sent you there with a purpose. I'm telling you, every single one of you, you have a purpose in the place you're in. And what happens is when we forget that we have a purpose, we'll stop living like we have a purpose and we stop living on purpose. But I want you to know something. When you recognize that you have a purpose, you'll start living that way, engaging that way, and talking that way. Here's what Jesus said. Check this out. Read it with me. Jesus said, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. God said there's going to come a time that every single one of us, that we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of every word we've spoken, which means that women's judgment is going to take a lot longer than men typically. <laughs> if you said a lot of bad things, get behind a woman in the judgment line. It'll give you extra free time to like sort out what you're going to say when you get up there. Here's what's crazy. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said that we're going to give an account to God for every, what kind of word specifically? Every do you know what the word idle word means? An idle word is an unemployed word. It's literally what it means. It means a word that you've not given a purpose to, which means this, that God has given us the ability to speak words 
And that when we speak a word, we have the potential to give that word a purpose. That when I speak a word to you, I'm going to give it a purpose to build you up, to encourage you, to celebrate you, to give you life. Or I can just be kind of careless and be a gossiper and a backbiter. And when I speak a word, it can hurt people. It can damage reputations. It can tear other people down. I'm just telling you, I've got a purpose. Everybody say that. I've got a purpose. And when you'll understand your purpose, it helps you overcome the temptation to gossip. Think about it. Do you know that God has loved us? And because we have been loved, we should love other people with our words. Not only have we been loved, but you know that God has given us life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life because we've been given life. Do you know what we should do? I think we should just have a purpose to give other people life. When they're getting drugged down and discouraged and defeated and people have had bad days and gone through trying seasons where they have faced situations where they feel overcome, do you know a Christ follower can step into that situation and speak an intentional word with a purpose to lift that person up? I'm just telling you the difference it would make if we live with a purpose in our words. Because God has built us up. We can build somebody else up. That's what it means to avoid the culture of gossip. The society of slander is if we understand that we have a purpose. But here's a big one. And this is probably for me something that kind of registers on my radar. The reason sometimes we gossip is because we are starving. Because we're hungry. When you are not satisfied with something, like, you'll eat anything. Has anybody here ever, like, you were hungry and, like, you were just so hungry, you went to the cupboard and you ate something, and when it was done, you're like, I didn't even want that. It wasn't even that good, but you ate it anyways. Do you know why? The reason you devoured something that you didn't want is because you were starving. Because there was room, you just took on anything. My wife and I, right, we've been working hard to watch what we're eating over the last, uh, over the last couple months and working hard. And, man, just everything looks good, man. When you're not eating what you want, everything looks good. So we're sitting on our bed Friday night, right, the evening's winding down, and I got my iPhone open, and I come across a video. Listen, let me just, are you all ready for this? You're not, but just get ready. If there's a seatbelt on the seat, buckle it. I'm flipping through, you know, the food videos. I find a food video where some restaurant in Chicago, I'm going there. It made my bucket list. That's how impressive it was. They took the pot pie and the pizza and blended it. Sweet Jesus. So it showed them making, they took a bowl and they layered a bunch of mozzarella cheese and they put this sauce and they talked about how they made the sauce and all the onions and the peppers and and they put some sauce in there and some mushrooms. Then they covered I Anybody here like sourdough bread? I don't even know what this is. It was triple sourdough. Like, I don't know what that means, but like I licked my phone. <laughs> Sour. Then they stick it in the oven for like eight minutes, 350 degrees. Then they show, took it and dumped it out on the table, flipped it over. Oh, I'm, my wife. Now, have anybody heard? You just watch one video and it just goes to the next video. So, man, we just haven't ate anything, like, really good. Like, we watch one video after another video after another video. And when they're like, oh, mmm, oh, oh, that's so good. And I'm like, if our kids are outside the door, they're thinking something scandalous is happening in this bedroom because we're just watching food videos. <laughs> but here's what, here's what the Bible says. Listen, here's what the Bible says about gossip, about rumors. Listen to it. In fact, this scripture is recorded twice, identically twice in the book of Proverbs. 
once in Proverbs 18. Here it is, Proverbs chapter 26. Read it with me. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. See, when you are empty on the inside, then you're starving for just a morsel. And you'll devour anything. You'll eat anything. But I'm just telling you, church, listen, when we are full of God's presence, when we're full of his grace, when we're full of what he's doing in our lives, when we are full of testimonies, when we are full of joy and peace and love, when we are full of friendships that are building us up. Listen, I'm just telling you, I'm not hungry for what the devil's serving. I'm not hungry for what this culture is serving. I'm hungry for more of what God gives me that fills me up. And so listen, if we would get busy talking about what God's doing rather than what other people's doing, then we can avoid the trap of gossip. Number four, number four reason we gossip is because we are drama addicts. Now, I know you thought it was going to end when you graduated junior high. And when it didn't end at junior high, you were sure you was going to leave the drama behind when you graduated high school. College somehow has slipped in. Here some of you are, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and you still got a lot of drama from your mama following you everywhere you go because you are a drama addict. The reason some people gossip, because they just love the drama. They love to be in the center of the conversation. They love to stir the pot. They love to be the one that kind of knows all the dirt on somebody else. And I'm just telling you why that might make you feel important that you get the attention why it might make you feel like everybody's looking to you for the most recent information, really you are hurting your testimony. You are limiting your potential to influence people for the positive when you're a gossip. Number five, I think this is probably the most important one. Number five reason that we're gossips is because we're cowards. It's because we're cowards. Can I just give you a couple challenges here? If you got something to say about somebody, here's an idea. Rather than telling somebody else that has nothing to do with it, go tell the person you're talking about. Right there, right there, right there. Do you know the reason, do you know the reason, you know the reason that we like to talk about people behind their back rather than talking to people in the front is because we're cowards and we don't want to have accountability for our words. The next time somebody comes up to you and gives you some gossip, drop some slander on you, I challenge you to look at him and say this, oh, that's true, so you wouldn't mind me quoting you on that, right? Oh, I'm telling you, people people are going to start backpedaling because people don't want to be accountable for the words that they're speaking. Cowardice is synonymous with gossip, and gossip is synonymous with cowardice. The reason, man, that we don't confront people, the reason we don't go to them with the information the reason we don't man up and talk to people face-to-face -face about the things we heard, it's not because we care about them. It's not because we care about their situation. The reason we're talking behind their backs is because we're a coward and we're not willing to talk to them to their face. So here's what I want to do for a few minutes. I'm going to just give you a couple of things. If you're here and you just are starting to understand, like, gossip is a big deal. Like, gossip is toxic. Say it one more time. Gossip is you know, I passed Steve like, hey, that's, maybe that's you. Maybe you're a person that involves yourself or engages in social media gossip or in your workplace or on your campus. Like you are part of the conversation. And maybe you're not the initiator, but maybe you're the one that just stands by and tolerates it. I want to give you just three things real quick and write these down real fast. Three ways I think we break the habit of gossip. Number one is we pray. 
pray to God for help. Now, I just want you to know that sounds really simple, but I'm telling you, no matter what your struggle is, no matter what your battle is, no matter what your challenge is, I want everybody to know that God's grace in your life is the difference maker that can set us free and cause us to walk in victory. It's always God's grace, and it's available to every single person who asks. Come on, somebody. Do you know Jesus, he taught us, he said, hey, whatever your struggle is, Whatever your temptation, he taught us, he taught his disciples, taught us. He said, when you pray, pray this way. One of the ways that he taught us to pray to the Father in heaven was, God, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I'm just telling you, if you're here and you're battling with gossip, you are really torn and pushed towards slander that the best thing you can do is just start praying about it. God, help me not to be a gossip. Father, help me to be pleasing in my words. Help my words to have purpose to lift up, to love, and not tear down. Number two, number two, pray for the person you're talking about rather than talk about the person you're talking about. Like if you really know something about somebody, take a minute and pray for that person rather than taking that time and talking behind their back. And here's the big one, number three, make a choice. Make a choice. Here's your choice. If you got information on somebody, here's your choice. If gossip is not an option, you still got two choices. You can give them grace or you can confront their sin. You can give them grace or you can confront their sin. Like if you look at them and you realize like, hey, they're struggling, but I struggle too. Like they're in a a bad place, but I've been in a bad place too. Like God, you've given me grace. God, I'm gonna give them grace. I'm not gonna kick them when they're down. I'm not gonna poison their reputation. God, you've given me grace. I'm gonna give them grace. Or confront their sin. If you know somebody and they're making decisions that you know, especially if they're a Christ follower and you're in a relationship with them and you know, man, they're doing some things that probably aren't stand right, probably aren't in a relationship with God right, then maybe our call would be to go to that person because that's what Jesus said. If you got a brother in sin, we're to go to that person and call them out in love. But the last thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about them because that doesn't help anything. We can either clam up with grace or talk to him face to face. Like that's the call. You want to say something? Say something to them face to face in love. Or say something to the Father on their behalf. See, because I'm just saying, what would happen if we turn the dial of gossip to our workplaces, to our campuses, to our churches? I'm just telling you, I believe the dynamic of this world would change if every person lived with purpose to build up instead of tearing down through gossip. Is anybody on board with that? I'm telling you. And I just want to say one more thing because... I really felt like this week preparing this message and like I knew what God wanted me to say. I knew some things he wanted me to share. And just a couple days ago, man, I just felt like the Lord said, you just need to talk to people who've been victims to gossip. And so if you're here and like, you know, maybe you've been bullied by words and maybe somebody's got you and maybe it's been like on, you're a business person. It's been on Yelp and people have given their opinion of you or your business or it's been on social media and, and who you are has been hijacked by a gossiper and a slanderer. Maybe it's happened in the campus or it's happened in the workplace. And like you're just struggling, like your self-esteem and your value has taken a hit because of somebody else's gossip behind your back. Can I just tell you something? Listen, this is the most important thing I can tell you today, today is one of the greatest decisions that you can ever make in your life is to decide that the opinion of other people and what they think about you is not near as important as you once thought it was. 
I'm just telling you, stop letting people put you in their mold. Stop letting people put you down. Stop letting people make you think you are something far less than God said you are. There is only one opinion in this world that matters to us, and it is our opinion of our Savior, of who we are. And he says we are beloved. He says we are children of God. He said we belong to him. He said we are the bride of Christ. He said, come on, church, are you hearing what I'm telling you? Listen, the only opinion that matters most is God's opinion of you. Like, I've lived my life wondering what other people think. You'd be shocked at a church this large how many emails I get, how many letters I've gotten from people. People write stuff on, like, your offering envelope. Listen, (laughs) I've just made a decision years ago. What do they think about my preaching? What do they think about my message? What do they think about how I dress? What do they think about my family? What do they think about my kids? That's made a decision. I can't live to please people because people can't be pleased. But there is a God in heaven who I pleased because of what Jesus has done for me. And so I'm just telling you, sir, listen, haters are going to hate. Come on. Judges are going to judge. Critics are going to criticize. So we just have to make a decision. If you're here and you've been hurt, your heart is broken because things people have said about you, I just want to encourage you this morning to open your heart to grace and to allow God to mend that wound. Because gossip is toxic. My prayer coming into this place today is not just that we would gossip less, but for all you that have been victims, that God would pull the poison out of your heart. That God would heal what's broken in you because of what things people have said about you. So I want to pray for you. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Steve, you know, I've been a gossip or I've been a victim of gossip. I want to change or I need to be healed. I want you to lift a hand all over this room. I want to pray for you. Come on, real high. Real high. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you that in your grace, in your grace, God, we can change and we can overcome. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would begin to consider what has been once no big deal, a huge deal, and that we would be aware of our words. We would be intentional in the purpose that we speak. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that by your grace, you would help us to overcome old behaviors and we would begin to walk as a new creation in Christ. God, we would take on a new purpose, new words, new meaning, new value. And so Lord, every person who's lifting their hand, who's honest enough to say, this is my struggle, I pray in Jesus' name that God would help you to overcome that. And Father, I pray for people here that are broken, people that have been damaged by the opinions and the evaluations and the words of other people. I pray that God's grace would fill your heart right now. I pray the wound would be closed. I pray the value that's been robbed of you would be restored. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I pray that you would know that you're accepted by Christ. You are loved by God. You are valuable and you are precious in spite of what people have said. So Lord, make us whole in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today?